I, was, I mentioned this to the Sunday school class this morning that, and this happens every once in a while, um, I'll be going through the week just sure I'm going to preach on a certain thing. And uh, as early as, or as, as late as this morning when I got up, I was, I was good. we were going to go back into Matthew 24. But uh, as I looked at it, it just, just wasn't happening. It wasn't gelling. And so uh, I've got a smorgasbord of things for you. This is going to be a combination of some wheel spinning, combination of some short little subjects that will never become a message. So they need to be addressed. And I always find myself trying to fit them into a message somewhere. And uh, I don't want to put them where they don't fit. And then just give you some observations on an interesting week here at the church and uh, some of the things that are going on. So um, cut me a little bit of slack. If you love your four-point outline with the two poems, um, sorry. (laughs) Maybe next week. Maybe next week we'll get back to that. So just a couple of things. And uh, don't worry, we'll get into the Bible. Um, But... uh, some of the things that have been going on, just starting with that, this, this Titanic submersible. I'm sure you've, you've heard about this. I, I am too claustrophobic. Someone said, would you ever go into that and go down the bottom? I said, I wouldn't get near it. I'm afraid somebody would shove me in it and close the door. I would die before it ever went in the water. Okay? I'm just too claustrophobic, so that's not even an option for me. I wouldn't care how well it was built or wasn't but i gotta say the the first hint should have been the 29.99 um atari joystick (laughs) that they were using to maneuver it that should have been your first hint um but i digress but there is something that uh, wasn't talked about a lot and apparently was true. I, I, I read this in a couple sources, and I, I always have to say apparently true. But apparently this owner, who unfortunately died with the other four in, in this submersible, he had kind of a woke, there's a little bit of wokeism here that most people don't know about. He made the statement somewhere along the line when it came to the engineering of this thing and, and, and so forth. And to back up a little bit, most of these... Most of these things have former um, Navy submarine guys involved in it. These are the guys they hire for obvious reasons. And a lot of them are retired Navy submarine guys, some of them on the the engineering side of it and the operational side of it and so forth. And one one of the statements he made that was supposed to set them apart from everybody else, he said... He, he was not very interested in having a bunch of 50-year-old white males around. That's not very inspirational. <laughs> and uh, you know what? I'll tell you, if I was going to get in that thing and you were going to lock me up and send me down 13,000 feet to where the pressure is about 400 times atmospheric, I'm, I'm rounding things out, I wouldn't care if they were white, green, red, or purple people. I would just want the right people putting it together, amen? And, and so I just, wow. And 
And, and you know, the idea that anybody older, you know, a bunch of 50-year-olds, oh, that's really old. <laughs> yeah, I got to stay away from them old guys, yeah. Because it, it's not inspirational. Um, when you're down there at 13,000 feet, you don't care about inspirational. You want to be safe. And I, and I just, I don't know why, but I got thinking this in contrast with the miracle on the Hudson where that pilot, Sully, do you know how long he'd been flying? 40 years. And there's two things he knew to do and how to do that maybe a younger guy wouldn't have. Now, look, I'm not knocking younger. I was one at one time. But I'm just saying all this emphasis in our country about that which is inspirational and that which isn't, how about we get functional? <laughs> how about we get practical? How about we get pragmatic about it? I don't care if they're young or old or what color their skin is or what language they, they speak. If I'm getting in it, I want it to work. And there's two things he did. Number one, there were uh, tower operators in various airports that said that he could, he could go in there. They would clear. Number one, him and his partner knew they wouldn't make it. So he made that decision. The second decision is to take it down into the Hudson. And the third thing, he was able to land it without breaking it up. Because if you recall, it took a while for help to get there, and they might have froze, and that hypothermia had that thing broke up. So I, I don't know. It's just, it's just, just, just something interesting. Then in, in, in another thing in the media right now with, with all the boycotting, and, and I commented on that at length here a couple Wednesday nights ago, um, the interesting article here in the Epic Times titled, How Drag Shows Can Expose Kids to Sex Offenders. And they're finding out, surprise, surprise, a lot of these drag queens that have these drag shows for kids are sex offenders. Is anybody surprised? Uh, you know, my, my first reaction to all of this is, what parent? Oh, oh they're having a drag, a, a drag show and... This drag queen's going to get up there and tell dirty jokes and dance suggestively and talk about all this perversion to my kids. Oh, we, we need to get there. I just got scratched my head. I thought, what parent in their right mind? And I found out, doing a little bit of research, just to verify what I suspected, it's liberal-minded people who want to show how open-minded they are and make sure their kids start out open-minded. I just, I just have to keep going back to this word, madness. I mean, it's absolute madness. And I look at these drag queens. I, the, the only thing I can think of is a demon spirit. That's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at a, a demon spirit. And I saw a clip of a, of a black preacher. He inserted himself into one of these. They were having it at the community center or something. And he did a great job. He disrupted that thing in a very biblical manner <laughs> by getting up and quoting scripture and giving the gospel over and over and over again. And everybody was in a tizzy rebuking him and they finally all broke up. But he kept telling everybody, including the drag queen, you need to repent. You need to trust Christ. You're going to hell. <laughs> and there were parents rebuking. And that's when, that's when I got the thought, what parent would bring their kid to this? And so... Anyways, there's a really good thing that's come of all of this. Elton John says, we've all been waiting for this, haven't we? Yeah. 
He says he's not doing any more tours in America. Thank you. Because of all the homophobia in our country. And he doesn't like all these anti-grooming laws that certain states are passing, including ours, praise the Lord, where people are allowed to groom little children into this. He thinks that's very hateful. And he said homophobic. Now, look, everybody talks about homophobic. We're missing the point, folks. I am not homophobic. I, I, don't, I am not afraid of homosexuals or homosexuality or all this other, or some trans person attacking me. I am homonosic. <laughs> Never mind homophobia. It's homonausea that's created this backlash and this boycotting. No, and, and, and I, I'm not being facetious. I think normal people, saved and lost, are sick and tired of having perversion shoved down their throat. And that's what all this gay pride month and what do they need a month for? This is a month for people that have a weird sexual appetite. Boy, that's good. Well, what about everybody else? Why doesn't everybody else have their month? Isn't that crazy? It's just crazy. And uh, I, I thought that was something good that came out of this. He's all upset about homo, what he considers homophobia, but I can say he's missing it. It's homo nausea. And um, he's not coming back, so that's really too bad. My wife and I had tickets and everything, and we, <laughs> we're going to have to lose our money on that one. Oh, my. Thank God for his word, right? We didn't have his word. You just wonder where you're at, you know? You'd feel like a termite in a yo-yo. You wouldn't know which end was up. So um, take your Bibles and go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And... This is Sunday morning, and uh, the conventional wisdom and homiletics and uh, those people that know what the rest of us don't know, supposedly, is that your Sunday morning crowd, that's your, you know, that's your dumbed-down Christian crowd. Well, I don't believe that. I believe we're here to learn. I, I believe we're here to learn Bible. And I, I, believe I, can, I believe we can handle a little bit of meat, the meat of the Word, and so, in a little doctrine, and even a little controversy, how about that one? I believe that we came here for all the right reasons, not to be entertained, but to learn. So, let me show you something here. Go to First, uh, first Timothy 6, and verse 20, and I'm going to give you the one verse uh, in the Word of God that warns us about science falsely so-called, and uses the word science, which, which means it's kind of like a, a, a warning light that goes off. I had, I had my, uh, my oil pressure light go off the other day, uh, all the way in Donnelly with my truck. I'll say more about that later on. But I, I, I turned the ignition, and the readout said low oil pressure. And then I looked at the gauge, and it said zero. Well, that's more than low. That's no oil pressure. And then this alarm yelling at me, and, and um, so uh, there are certain words that, that are, are like that. They're like the, uh, the light on the dashboard going off and making a noise, and, 
and warning you about something. And, and the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6.20, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called. Now, I've told you before, don't be afraid of the word science and don't be afraid of science. Science just means knowledge. And, and he, but he tells us to beware of science falsely so-called. And, uh, and, and one of the first things that comes to my mind when I think of science falsely so-called is I think of evolution. That is science falsely so-called. That is junk science is what it is. Um, so I'm going to give you, um, people have asked me, they say, well, you know, you believe the King James Bible here at Treasure Valley Baptist Church? And I say yes. And they say, well, then uh, what's wrong with the new King James Bible? Well, let me say this. Uh, a lot of the New King James Bible does not go along with a lot of the, what a lot of the modern translators have done in the other English Bibles to attack the deity of Christ and things of that nature. But there are some problems. And so just, just by way of explanation, so you know why we still use the old King James Bible. And by the way, I think we're all intelligent enough to work through a couple of these and thous. I mean, people talk about how great Shakespeare is. They read that and and that's way full of these and thou. So it's, it's a minor thing. But anyways, um, just by way of explanation, let me just give you one example. Of some of the things that are, that are in the newer one that uh, we're just, you know, we're not going to fool with it. We're just going to stay with the old King James Bible. Um, it says here in 1 Timothy 6.20, and I remember, this is the one reference in all of the Bible that uses the word science. So again, that's that Light going off on your dashboard. Verse 20, O Timothy, guard that which was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and vain babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. So what just happened? You lost the one direct reference to the word science in all of the word of God. You lost that blinking light. And you know what? I'm glad that I didn't drive about 10 miles down the road and have the engine just seize up and burn up, okay? I'm glad that light told me that I didn't have oil pressure. That meant there was a problem. So that by way of explanation. Now, talking about science and evolution in particular, I wanna take a couple minutes and, um, and, and, and alert you to something here that's historical. Now again, like I told you, this is gonna be kind of a grab bag of things. Uh, my wife, when we're having leftovers, I'll say, what are we having? She's saying, we're having pick a number day. And so that's what this is, pick a number. So take your Bibles and go to 1 Kings chapter 18. And I, and I want you to see that evolution has been around way before Darwin, way before Darwin. Now, you can dig around in church history, and you can start looking at Eusebius and Origin and guys like that, and you can make your case there. But it's in something even more obvious than that, and it was part of the idolatry that Israel often fell into. And it's called, it's called Baal worship. 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. And uh, look at verse 26. And of course, uh, the, the context here is, is the contest between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And we often hear about the Baal and the idolatry and how God hated that. And how God chastened them for it. But uh, there's some aspects to Baal worship that I think most of us aren't aware of. And a little history lesson goes a long way here. Um, verse 26. 
And they took the bullock which was given them and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal. Now, this is the, 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 the prophets of Baal. And from morning until evening, uh, from, from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice nor any that answered, and they leaped upon the altar which was made. Now, what a lot of people don't realize is that Baal worship uh, started from the, the platform of what we would call evolution. And I'm going to read to you what one commentator said about, about, about the uh, foundations of Baal worship. And you tell me if this doesn't sound like evolution. The word Baal means master, owner, or possessor. Baalism was the worship of the powers of creation practiced by the Canaanite race. Their creed was that the heavenly bodies and the earth had sprung spontaneously out of a self-existent eternity of matter. Eternity, and by the way, evolution has to have eternity of matter. You have to have some matter there that has to start doing its thing by itself. Because you can't, you can't say, well, God did it. A self-existent, chaotic, deep, the primordial ooze, <laughs> all of the chaos that's going to, by the way, turn into order, which refutes the second law of thermodynamics, which things, says things go from order to chaos. They, they sprung spontaneously out of a self-existent, chaotic, deep, and that the procreative power of the sun acting upon the fertile womb of the earth produced all visible matter. Nat, nat, natural processes just doing these things on their own. Okay? Uh, thus it was significant that Ahab and his subjects abandoned God to the sole influence of this worship of nature, which results in the almost entire destruction of animal and vegetable life. Now, further tying it into some, some biblical things that again... Science, falsely so-called, has other explanations for when you got a good Bible explanation. Uh, how many of you remember the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11? Okay, This is where we get all, our, all, all of our languages. At, at that point, after the flood, the world was all one language, and they decided to build this tower to heaven and all come together in, in a one-world religious and, and governmental and societal a system because they all had one language. Well, God said... I know what's going to come of this. Uh, they're they're going to they're go after evil like no tomorrow. So he confounded the languages right there. Now, what's interesting is that Bill Bryson, the science fiction writer of the evolutionary book, A Short History of Nearly Everything, also wrote another book about the history of language. Now, this man is a confirmed evolutionist. And he wrote another book about the history of languages. And here's what he said. Quote, one of the great mysteries of prehistory is how people in widely separated places suddenly and spontaneously develop the capacity for language at roughly the same time. He's saying this is a great mystery. It's not if you have Genesis 11. And, and then he says, it is as if people carried around in their heads a genetic alarm clock that suddenly went off around the world and led different groups in widely scattered places on every continent to create languages at the same time. Well, 
you got a Bible, you know how it happened, amen? Isn't that great? All right. You say, what is that? Let's pick a number. <laughs> okay, now we're going to get into our Bibles. Let's take our Bibles and go to Romans chapter 1. And Romans chapter 1. And I just want to take a little time because it was a really interesting week <coughs> for our church. And I got to be involved in a lot of it, not all of it. And uh, I just want to give you some observations. And I, and I think they'll be an encouragement to you. I really do. Romans chapter 1. And verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, you know, if you've been around... Uh, God is having us put more emphasis on outreach and being an open witness for Jesus Christ. Uh, whether it means door-to-door -door soul winning, door-to-door -door canvassing, uh, going out on the streets on a Friday night or things of that nature, or yesterday, I want to talk about this, um, heading out to the Dairy Days Parade. And we just, we just had a great time out there. And, and let me encourage you to just, as I told the men one Saturday night not too long ago, Get in on some of this action. Get in on some of this action. You may not be able to do all of it, but just, just get in on it somewhere, somehow, and, and experience the opportunity just to be an open witness and let the world look at you like you're kind of odd <laughs> and see what the world's real reaction to Jesus Christ is and have the blessing of putting that word out and sowing that seed and what that feels like. And then if God blesses you so, the opportunity to lead somebody to Christ, and you want to talk about good feelings, there's nothing like it anywhere in the world. What a wonderful thing. But uh, then take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. And some of the things that were going on this week reminded me of, of Romans 1. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And then also reminded me of Hebrews 6 and verse 10. And this is a reminder I get often around here. Verse 10, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Uh, Friday, or Wednesday night, somebody already referenced it. Uh, Brother Denton Walker was able to be here. He graduated from our Bible Institute five years ago. And he's in Oklahoma pastoring right near the panhandle of Texas in Flatland. Or someone once said, it's so flat out there you can watch your dog run away for three days. <laughs> and uh, what a blessing to have him come back. And he was here for the wedding Friday and, um, and to preach to us on that, on just being sober-minded. What a blessing. What a blessing to uh, know that God would use our church in, in, in a small way to train others to go out and put the word out as pastors, assistant pastors, evangelists, missionaries, and, um, and sometimes none of that, but just uh, laymen that know their Bible well, laymen that can be good help in, in the church here or elsewhere, as in many cases. And so we got to experience that Wednesday night, and then Thursday my wife and I drove off to junior camp. 
up in Donnelly, and we're going to hear from them tonight. They're going to sing tonight. That'll be a blessing. And um, over the summer, we have, we have four camps. We have junior camp, then we have middle school camp, then we have senior high camp, and then junior high camp. And uh, what a blessing. We got to see the Lymans up there at camp. And I tell you what, with Delana Lyman cooking, uh, camp food takes on a new meaning. <laughs> a lot of times people thought in terms of going to camp and losing weight. You go to camp over there and you gain weight. What a blessing. But uh, Brother Mark and Sister Kelly Phipps led the charge with that. Uh, got to see the Sweet Brothers and their brides. And the Catalinos came all the way from Texas to help. And the Douglases. Um, and, and Brother Douglas had the kids all playing some clue game. I didn't understand it. But if your kid came home and said he killed some people, <laughs> that was a game. <laughs> okay, it wasn't real. Uh, and, and, and somehow or another, you, you, you kill people in this game. And I, I didn't quite catch on how exactly that worked. And then, and then the Rouse were there. And Brother Mark, the mad scientist, had the kids building some cars. And they were small cars. And I think they were hydrogen cars. And you just put them in boiling water when you get them home. And they turn into full-size hydrogen cars. Right, Mark? That's what I understood. So look out, Elon Musk, right? We got, we got a new... <laughs> Where, wherever your imagination takes you on that one, all right. But he was there doing, doing his thing with the kids with some STEM projects, and I understood it involved with uh, cars, and uh, Sister Corey Godsell, what a sweetheart she was there, and, and uh, we, got, we got to borrow the Godsell's truck to be able to get home. I'll tell you about that one in a second. But, um, yeah, I'll just tell you about it. My, you, you know, I, I like keeping things a long time. My wife and I have been married, we'll be married 47 years in August. Um, she does too, by the way. And someone asked, how do you stay married to somebody for 47 years? I told her if she ever leaves me, I'm going with her. So that's how we've stayed together that long. But I got a truck with almost a quarter of a million miles on it. And so stuff like oil pumps go out sometimes. But right underneath the tree, I went to turn the truck on as we were getting ready to go back, sitting under a shade tree. And uh, so we had to have it towed back and all this other stuff. And Sister Corey let me use uh, the truck there. And, of course, I got the fever for a new truck now. So... <laughs> Wife and I are talking about that one. Um, Sister Bickish, there were others. Um, yeah, uh, and we had some young people, college and career age and high school age, that are hanging around up at camp there and, and, and helping out. But, but, but what a blessing. What a good spirit. Uh, kids just really enjoying themselves. Uh, the weather started to cooperate a little better later in the week. And uh, just to see all of... So many of our people taking their own vacation time to be a blessing to our kids. Isn't that a blessing? And, and, and I'm reminded of Hebrews 6.10 when I see that, that God is not unrighteous uh, to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed to his name and that you have, uh, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. So, uh, you know, there's outreach and there is inreach, and both of them are important. And, and believe me when I say this, I don't look at our kids' ministries, youth ministries, as babysitting. I look at it as prime training time because the cement is wet. It's moldable. As we get older, it's not so much. And so uh, what a blessing to be able to spend some time in camp. And, yeah, we got back a little later than we would have thought of, but it was, it was all worth it. And then Friday night, we, uh, we had a nice, uh, a nice wedding uh, Don and Brittany Galligan got married, and, and uh, formerly Brit, uh, Brittany, Brittany Phillips. 
And they're going to be living in Oregon. And, and so uh, had a nice wedding on Friday night. And then Saturday, I, I had an interesting Saturday. Now, this is, this is not without precedent, being this busy on a Saturday. But it was just kind of interesting. Uh, Sister, Sister uh, Debbie Nyhart, uh, they had a little party for her in a park. Her, her teaching kind of retired out of a lot of different teaching, but she's going to still teach Sunday school. And I know those little girls in her class are glad for that. They sure love her. And uh, I'm going to tell you something. You teach a Sunday school class or work in, in Master Club or you work in junior church or something like that, youth ministry, uh, you mean more to those kids than you realize. Uh, I hope you understand it. You mean more to those kids than you realize. And, I, and that's a sobering thing for me to have a good testimony for them and be an encouragement and be cheerful and uh, realize that it, it means so much to them and it means a lot that we can do that. So um, we had that and then my wife and I ran off, grabbed a little lunch and then I came back to the church, ran back to the church and got involved in some preparation for today and then uh, we jetted off to a park in Boise where uh, Dion McWhite and Laura Schwenke got married and so now they're Mr. and Mrs. Dion McWhite, David White, and uh, brother, brother, brother McWhite Sr. and his wife are here, and they came, and he did the wedding. It was a nice little wedding out there in the park uh, under, the, under those big shade trees over there, and they committed themselves one to another in the Lord Jesus Christ, and so I was in clothes kind of like this. So I've been going back and forth in clothes. Um, brother Han talked about his wife having to dress him this morning. And I'm all over the place. I, I, these pants are from home, but this sport coat is from here, and this shirt is from home, but this tie is from here. But when I came to church, I was wearing gym shoes because when I leave today, I'll be going back in my cargo pants that I left in my office because I had a change to go to the wedding. But then I came back, and I had a change before I got back in the car because we went off to the Dairy Days Parade. And I didn't want to do it in a sport coat. That's not right. So I got done there and jetted over to the, uh, jetted over to the uh, Dairy Days Parade. And what a blessing. What a blessing that was. Uh, I was able to get there while they were still staging in the raceway there. And right there in the middle of Meridian under the shadow of the, of the, um, the water tower. And uh, we had our college and career young people, our high school young people, and our, our middle school young people there, and, and really it was, it was a mighty army. Now, a lot of lost people might have looked at it as a plague of locusts, but <laughs> to me, I looked at it as a mighty army. We had our float, and uh, on the way out on Terry, you can see the float. Take a look at it as you drive by it. It's really a nice little float. It's, it's got all these, all these cows on it, and then it's got, uh, uh, have you heard, H-E-R-D, the word... Pretty good play on words there, huh? Jesus saves. And I, I believe there were thousands of people. I mean, as we went down with that float down the street and came back the other way, just hundreds everywhere. So it had to amount to a total of thousands of people. But um, the float was really nice. Handing out gospel tracts everywhere. Our kids were handing out gospel tracts. And unfortunately, we ran out. There was more people than we thought and more kids handing them out than we thought. And so what happened? We just started singing hymns as we went down. You know, victory in Jesus. And all these people hearing it. 
And it was amazing how many of them were favorable. Some people were pointing, hey, the Jesus float, you know. <laughs> Why they were holding their not Bud Light. <laughs> That's my crowd. They're easier to reach, amen. <laughs> They're easier to reach than that other crowd. And uh, handing out tracks, and we run out of tracks, start singing hymns, and the kids were giving people high fives and just having themselves a time, but being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. I think our float was the best float, because i tell you a little secret here. I didn't, I didn't realize you had done this, Brother Darren, but uh, he's sitting on the back of that pickup truck, and, and all, the, all the cows had a little bell, and the bell was ringing. I said, how did that happen? He's back there pulling a mono. <laughs> pulling a little line there and ringing all those bells as we go down the street. We were having ourselves a lot of fun, but uh, this, is, this is the track. Have you heard the word Jesus saves? Got the plan of salvation on here, sponsored by our college and career group. What a blessing, amen? And I've said to you before, don't take it for granted, but not every church has an active college and career group like we do. God has blessed us, and it is a blessing that our young people uh, if God doesn't send them somewhere else for some other reason, they decide to stay and serve the Lord Jesus Christ and come to Sunday school and uh, be an example to our high school kids. That's one of the things I really liked about that. Our college and career kids were there, and our high school kids were there, and our middle school kids were there, and our college and career kids could minister to the younger ones, the younger ones could look up to them, and what a blessing it was. We got some real good leaders in those groups. Uh, the Columns and the Jake Parkers and the Marshall Wells and uh, the Jared Dodies and uh, the Ben Holtums and the um, Jason Petersons and the, the Matt Sanchez's and uh, Garrett Johnson's and the Kirby Barnos and the and uh, brother brother Caleb Williams and if, I hope I didn't miss anybody but um, just all there and we were all going down that down that those streets and all of those hundreds of people were there and they're looking up at that sign and they're getting gospel tracts and we're singing those songs and I'm thinking of Romans chapter 1 verse 16 for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ and I'm thinking what an opportunity for these youngsters to just get out there and cut their teeth a little bit on that I know it wasn't the most hostile situation in the world in fact it was really a pretty friendly environment for the most part but it's a good opportunity. It's a good opportunity. That's why I say take your kids and jump into one of these um, uh, structured opportunities to get out there. Or, or just take, take the, the block you live on and, and get your family one, one evening, one nice evening, and get a handful of tracks and tuck your Bible under your arm and just go door to door and, and tell, just take a few minutes. Just tell them, hey, we're Christians. We go to Treasure Valley Baptist Church, and we'd just like to give you this and, and tell you that Jesus loves you. We talk about missionaries and going across the ocean. How about we go across the street and tell our neighbor about Christ? Amen? Make that your, make that your little fa family project. And uh, I was thinking of our young people. And uh, go back to Jeremiah chapter 12. This is something I shared with you not too long ago. And I really think it's important. In these last days, we got to build some spiritual backbone, folks. We got to build some spiritual backbone. And we can't do it hiding in the church building. Now, I'm all for the church building. I'm all for what we do here. But we got to do some stuff out there, too. I don't know if it's occurred to you, but, but, but the world's getting worldlier. And it's, it's, get, it's getting worse and worse. And there's things happening that, are, that are, are, are predicating or seem to portend to outright persecution of Christians. And if we're going to stand during these times, 
we're going to have to do some things to build back on. And getting out there and being an open witness for Christ in private and in public, in your personal life, and in these structured opportunities is a great way to build that back, backbone. And I was watching our young people build that, that backbone yesterday. And, and Jeremiah 12, verse 5 said, If thou hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with horses? And if in the land of peace wherein thou trustest they wearied thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? And so um, God is preparing us for these last days. And I hope Christ comes soon. But in the event he tarries, we need to build that, build that, back, uh, that backbone. Uh, tracks and songs. And uh, I was able to hand out tracks with, with, with my two grandsons there. What a blessing that was. What a lot of fun. And I told, brother, I told Brother Darren, we do this again next year. What we need to do is all of us will get shirts, we'll get T-shirts that, that, that have the Holstein colors on it, black and white, huh? We'll all be running around like out there like a bunch of Holstein cows, amen? That'll get it going on. By the way, that's important because you know what? Uh, there's a lot of these events around the country where churches and, and Christians have been banned to, to do that in a parade. And they use the excuse, well, your tracks become litter. Now, there's nobody else handing anything out that becomes litter. It's, it's always just the tracks. <laughs> but, you know, you get that, that theme going on, you keep that going on, and... and uh, it fits right in, and God's given us some liberty. So pray that we, we, we continue to have that liberty. Pray that we continue to have uh, that liberty. But I, I just, and, and, and things started going a little bit late, and I realized I wasn't going to make it a prayer meeting. So I thought, well, who's always at prayer meeting? Uh, Brother Joe, Brother Joe. So I gave Brother Joe a call. I said, hey, Brother Joe, would you lead the charge? So he, he, he led men's prayer meeting, and I understand we had a good uh, prayer meeting. But, um, man, I had fun. I had fun. I jumped, I jumped in the truck uh, for a little while, experienced a little of that air conditioning, and then jumped out and did a lot of walking and handing out those tracks and singing and just, just a lot. What a blessing. And uh, our youth out, out on those streets like that in a situation where they can prosper and they can learn and, and they can be a blessing. And then, and then this, this morning, this morning we're coming to church and we're getting in, we're getting in earlier and here comes one of our buses and saints on the front of it. Beautiful white bus. Hey, air conditioning, folks. Two out of three of our buses have air conditioning. I mean, can you, can you believe that? We have a caviar bus ministry, folks. Air conditioning, wow. And uh, our, our bus workers getting out there and, 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 and bringing the kids and... Um, and that's not all I did. I, I, I didn't tell you about this yet, but I started the day yesterday morning. I went and played some hockey. So somebody asked me the other day, How, how's your health? I just gave you the answer. <laughs> I just gave you the answer. I had a blast. My wife thinks I'm nuts. She's right. I am. I am. My dad's a, my dad's a reincarnation of the great white shock. He never sits down for a minute. But all kinds of great things going on. Um, this morning, this morning, uh, we had another Sunday school rally with our youngsters. Brother Titus Thomas is doing a phenomenal job with the youngsters in Sunday school, organizing all of that and, and, and giving those teachers a break for a month and having that rally. I've talked to some of the teachers. They really appreciate it. 
and our kids are just having a great time with that. And then we're looking forward to this conference coming up. And, it, and uh, as was mentioned during the announcements, Saturday night, men, we're going to have something to eat at 6.30. We'll have prayer. We'll have some preaching. And then Sunday morning, salvation emphasis. If you can get somebody here, they're going to they're hear the gospel, and there's going to be an emphasis on coming forward and trusting Christ. And then uh, we'll, have, we'll have service uh, Monday night and then Tuesday morning um, on, on, on the 4th of July. So a lot to look forward to. But let's look at these verses one more time, and we'll close. I mean, folks, to God be the glory. Amen? To God be the glory. And the um, Lord said he would, he, would build it. He, would, he would build the church, and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. So I, I know the world's getting crazy out there, but um, God's still God, folks. None of this takes him by surprise. And like I said, there's some good things that have come of it. Elton John's now coming back. He's, he's done. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Amen. All right. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the church, the fellowship of the saints, that which you've, you've instituted, Lord, for us, for our edification, for literally our spiritual survival. Someone mentioned it this morning. Coming to church gets them back on track. Hearing the word of God keeps them on track. Lord, how true it is. And the fellowship and the service together, Father. Help us now as we're dismissed from this place to go forth into this world and realize, Lord, as it's gotten darker, that our little light shines that much brighter. We may not be big searchlight beams that call in airplanes. We might just be little flashlights. But Lord, as it gets darker, that light becomes more and more precious and more necessary and more, more valuable. So help us, Lord, to go from this place and shine that light. And Lord, to realize it's not our light that we shine, it's yours. It's a reflection of thee. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and take our hymnals and turn to number 636. Number 636.
Brother Mike Walski, would you come on up here and close us in a word of prayer, please? Father, I want to thank you for your goodness to us and your mercy. I want to thank you, Lord, for the hope of eternal life that we have in Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that as we heard today regarding different things that are going on with the church here and with the people involved, I pray, Father, that we would be a, not just a happy church, but more that things would happen. Spiritually speaking, more that souls would be saved and lives changed for the Lord Jesus Christ. We love you. Help us to live for you until you come for us. We ask for all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.